Balotelli, Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again, oh he just can't do it, you just cannot be that good, that is an amazing goal, I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on guys, we are back with the 50 plus one football podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. We have a few topics for you today, but with me as always, a man who, if he were every top club in Europe, I would be Jan Zoma because everyone wants Jan Zoma now. It's Billy. And I definitely, definitely want you. Oh, this has been established. Well, it's a two-way yeah. street. It's the hair, I'll be honest. It's the, it's the flow in hair. It's the mane. It really is. Anyway... <laughs> like Lewis said, we've got a whole host of topics and we'll start in the Bundesliga where we're going to take a look at the decline of Dortmund and bear with us on this, specifically that of Erling Haaland. We are going to take a look at the in-demand goalkeeper and criminally underrated Jan Zommer. And then moving over to the Premier League, we're going to talk about, of course, the title race. We're going to talk about Chelsea and some... Semi-breaking news that just happened before we started recording. There's been a breakthrough with the United manager position. I'll tell you all about it after this. Harlan's Valley is beautiful beyond compare. Okay, because I love, you know, praising other goalkeepers rather than talking about their mistakes. Jan Zoma. How has that man gone so far without actually making it to a top club that is, you know, gunning for Champions League every year? I don't know, because there were these, all these conversations around him at the Euros because of how good everyone was like, oh, he's amazing, he's fantastic. So yeah, we know this. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's single-handedly keeping Borussia Mönchengladbach out, out of, of relegation. Yeah, out of the relegation places. Uh, it's it's baffling to me, in all honesty, because season, like season after season, he just keeps on producing. He keeps on knocking out of the park. Like he he wouldn't be a lot of money either if you think about it, and you know now. He's obviously 33, so he's not going to be as in demand as maybe three years ago because, you know, obviously, even with goalkeepers having a longer career than most outfield players, at the level he's playing right now, he's probably got about three years left in him. So my question would be, you know, could you see a top team making a bid for him this summer, he does only have a contract running until 2023 with Mönchengladbach. See, it's a weird one because I don't know whether a top, top team would go for it. But I think, and go, and go with me on this. Because I've thought this through. <laughs> I've given it some thought, yeah. Newcastle. That is, if they do actually manage to stay up. They probably will. Okay, I've, that, I've, I've given up on hopes of them going down. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's what every football fan except Newcastle fans want to see. Exactly. But Martin Dubravka, yeah, he's all right. But he does have mistakes in him. And if they've got these aspirations of any form of European football, they can't just go and spend... You know, they can't go out and spend Kepa amounts of money on a goalkeeper because that's not the way things work. If you've got, you have to be sensible with it. Yeah, he's 33. But Jan Zoma is the sensible choice. Well, yeah, because he's not going to want too much 
on the wage bill. It's not like he's a goalkeeper who's coming in and saying, do you know what? I want 10 mil a year, 12 mil a year. He's, he's coming from Gladbach. I'm not sure of his exact wage, but in all honesty, Bayern pay inordinate amounts of money to their squad in comparison to the rest of the Bundesliga. I mean, there's, we, we talked about the pay structure a little bit and the only German team featured in the top 20 most or highest paid players in Europe. Bayern were the only team featured. And mentioning Gladbach, they're known for, you know, if they have a few good players, they'll sell them. But at the end of the day, they're not going to be paying their, their highest paid player probably north of five mil, if that. Well, he earns £44,000 a week. There you go. That's a, that is just under £2.5 million a year. And this isn't this wouldn't be keeper coming to the league for his last you know his last few years like a swan song. This isn't Julio Cesar joining QPR. This isn't Victor <laughs> I Valdez. Forgot about that transfer, Jesus. Yeah. This isn't Victor Valdez joining United playing like one game, then joining Middlesbrough, which is also a weird one. Uh not getting on very well there either. Yeah, I I could go on. Put it this just to put this into perspective, Bayern pay their their backup goalkeeper more than they pay more than Jan Zoma gets paid right now. Pretty pretty much. You know, they, Bayern <laughs> yeah. have Alexander Nube who's out on loan to Monaco right now. They pay him five million a year, five point five to be exact. That's obscene. And like that, Alex Nubit, for lack of a better word, oh, he's not coming back to Bayern. Now, this this has all come around, this whole Jan Zoma thing, because he is, he is criminally underrated and has been for ages. But one save he made at the weekend, I covered it, and was stunned it doesn't happen a lot where i'm stunned to silence like i was i was running out of words to describe it on air (laughs) i still can't the reaction speed is ridiculous like an inch either to the left or the right and jonathan burkhart scores it's insane and the, th- the, the thing that also gets me as well is he's one of the major exceptions to the rule that you want a goalkeeper who is tall. You know, when, we're, when you think about it, Marc-André Ter Stegen is already considered to be on the shorter side for goalkeepers, and he's 6'2". Jan Zoma, Jan Zoma is six foot, So he's quite a small goalkeeper. Christ, and he's, he's my height. Exactly. You know, you've got, you've got your goalkeepers who are, who are on average around 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and then, you know, you get the, the, the freak spectrum, which is Ben Foster's, I think, 6'7", Thibaut Courtois, 6'7", six, or 6'6", six, six, one of the two. You know, you get, you, get those, you get those guys mixed in there as well. You know, my height. Um, I was going to say, but, are you counting yourself in the freak spectrum? As sad as it sounds, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, Jan Zoma, for his height, he's doing otherworldly stuff. And he's, it's not just for his height, you know, Jan Zoma, as we've said, criminally underrated. And it was actually one of the legends of the goalkeeping position in Peter Schmeichel, who said, you know what, guys, if there's a goalkeeper who's underrated right now and should be playing for one of the top European sides, it's Jan Zoma. And he said this, I think, half a year to a year ago. And for lack of a better word, nothing's changed. We're sitting here again and trying to say, you know, guys, he's criminally underrated. Get him into a top club. 
but you know, as you said, which top club will have him? Because I'm, you know, as, as bad as it sounds in Germany, there's no other top club who will have him because they're all pretty much sorted. Um, at the, at the very best, you might have a, a deal where Jan Sommer comes in to buy a Leverkusen because there has been a lot of talk that Leverkusen want to have an open duel for the number one position between the sticks next season. And there's been talk of, you know, getting uh, Arminia Bielefeld's uh, Stefan Ortega um, to have a go with Lukas Radetzky, who is currently the club captain, which is also, you know, a whole different thing in itself. You know, your club captain and uh, your position isn't completely safe for next season. But, you know, barred by Leverkusen trying to go for Jan Zoma and making him the number one, all the other teams in Germany are pretty much sorted. You know, you've got Peter Gulaschi at RB Leipzig. Gregor Kobel just made the big move last summer to Borussia Dortmund from VfB Stuttgart. And Bayern, obviously, Manuel Neuer. And he's supposed to be getting another contract for another two years. So outside of Germany, who have you got? Premier League? I can't see anyone other than, you know, you said it right before we were going to record, maybe... Luis leaves Spurs. Would an Italian side maybe? I know Juve have got they've got uh, Wojciech Szczesny. Inter, have but got he's Hans- also on the he's he hasn't had like a solid solid standing. I think many people would expect Juve to have a better keeper than Szczesny. You know he he did push Buffon out of the team, but Buffon was already. You know, he was already on his. I was gonna say he had one foot out of that door anyway. Exactly, and, he went you know, to PSG and foot. then came back again. Like, yeah, and he and he had one. He's had one foot out of out of his career already for you know what feels like the past few seasons. Oh, oh, teacher, pick me. Yes, Billy. Uh, Samir Handanovic, Handanovic, Samir Handanovic's contract expires at Inter Milan in June of this year. And I'm not gonna lie, Handanovic. He's he's solid, but he's not amazing. Could and Inter Milan have made a few big moves, haven't they? I mean, it wouldn't even cost that much, man. No, it probably wouldn't. They, I mean, you know, he's thirty three. Give him a three year contract, may, put him on maybe four or five million a year, and Gladbach would probably be pretty happy with you know a fifteen to twenty million transfer fee. And Inter have a massive investor backing them anyway. Oh, uh, sorry, this is completely unrelated, um, but it is Bundesliga related. Um, so, was it uh, Peel Investment BV, a subsidiary of Lars Windhorst's company, Tenor Holding BV, uh, is set to be foreclosed. And they own 66.6% of the shares of uh, Hertha Berlin. So, well, that's not something you want to hear if you're a Berlin fan. Like, oof, there goes your money source. I mean, to be fair, they've burned the cash for nothing anyway, and they're most likely going to get relegated, so... Yeah, I mean yeah, they're, they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose the Berlin derby at the weekend. Oh, that's for damn sure. Further, I mean, they had... further cementing the uh, the case that Union Berlin are now the premier side in the capital. But I mean that's been the case for like the last couple of years now. But you know the it, the funny thing is that everyone was like, oh, they won three nil in their first match under new management. And it's like, yeah, that's the you know this new butterflies of the fir- of new management. And Felix Magat wasn't even on the bench. It was uh, his assistant Mark Fotheringham, which he does not like to be asked questions about his Scottish heritage. <laughs> in his post match cr- press conference, one of the journalists asked him, "Did you show Braveheart in the?" Uh, in the in the dressing room so that you know your boys pulled out a a decent performance and he was like 
I don't know what you mean. You know, what, why are you bring Braveheart into this? You know, I don't get, I don't get why you would, why you would even bring that up. And, you know, the, it's not something to be joked about. You know, this, I don't show my, my team Braveheart. It's like, okay, chill, bro. It was just a, just a nice question. Like, calm down. But getting back to uh, Jan Zoma, before we leave, hashtag GK Union. Let's go. I just want, because good goalkeepers don't come along very often. There seems to be a uh, shortage of premium goalkeepers. Yeah. Worst case scenario, Manuel Neuer can't agree that new contract. Jesus. I want to take you to a dark place now. Annoyer. Oh, yeah, I was about to say this is this is like this is like Batman scary dark place. Annoyerless Bayern, uh, you know, which is quite ironic because considering when he signed, nobody wanted him there. Um, Just a little bit. <laughs> would you take Jan Sommer? Oh, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Even if because so Nara's contract right now runs till twenty twenty three. Same with Jan Sommer. So technically, if Worst case scenario, our board manages, or I say our board, our amazing sporting director. I I should just keep my mouth shut about it. I'll just call him the current sporting director at Bayern. Doesn't manage to extend Manuel Neuer's contract. One, I think that would be the end of Zadi Hamacic at Bayern because not being able to extend with the goalkeeper who still is at age 36 or 35 sorry the world's best goalkeeper 35 nice 36 sorry about that (laughs) who at age 36 is still the world's best goalkeeper and he's been the club icon for like the past 10 years basically and he's been club captain for since uh schweinsteiger has left you know or since lam has left sorry you know there's there is Absolutely no reason why he shouldn't be getting a contract. But if that happens, then Jan Zoma would be ideal to replace him if he still is at the same level. Just as like a temporary solution, because at that point, Jan Zoma will also be 35. So, or 34, sorry. So it, it'd be a, it would only be a temporary fix because... In an ideal world right now, you'd be getting a goalkeeper is around 24, 25, and is now just reaching the cusp of his uh of, of of his best years, or he's just reaching the beginning of his of his best years in his career. And you know, at the end of the day, those guys are also in short supply. So yeah, long story short, Jan Zoma, I'd take him in a year if that really did happen. Well, there we go. I think that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on when we do our transfer episodes over the summer. But shall we leave Jan Zoma and we'll uh, we'll finish the positivity and praise. It's time to, you know, what we do on uh, on the 50 plus one is dump a load of negativity on a team that really are having a, an awful season. Dortmund are just... In the mud. 42 goals conceded in less than 30 games played. Dortmund haven't had this bad of a season in almost 20 years. It's not just, great, let that, just let that go through your head. And they bought a new goalkeeper to replace Jan, uh, Jan uh, to replace Roman Burki. It's not like they, they didn't, you know, want to get a new goalkeeper just to shore up their defense but it just hasn't gone that way has it well it was uh it was interesting what you said to me earlier because it's not just how bad they've been defensively they've had you know it it might as well be it's a hospital hospital fc at the moment and something you told me earlier well why don't you go ahead well it so basically Sky Sports just knocked out the park that uh, Dortmund were axing their head physiotherapist by the name of Thomas Zetzmann, 
who has been at the club for the last 12 years. Now, in that time frame, according to Sky, there have been more than 2,000 missed days from players in the first team due to injury. <laughs> so in 12 years, the first team players have missed a, two, a total of 2,000 days. You know, just a casual five and a half years. That's insane. Five and a half years of players sitting out due to injury. Just, just let that go through your head for a little bit. Well, even, even this season alone, right? So they've had Matteo More, Stefan Tigas, Thomas Mounier, uh, Gio Reyna, Dan Axel Zagadou, who's just always injured at this point. Like, I refuse to believe he spent more time injured than he has actually playing football. Uh, Marco Royce, which again, but he's just... he's been a walking a walking hospital ever since he joined Dortmund in 2012. Yeah, that's nothing new. But the worrying one is Erling Haaland seems to be constantly getting these muscular injuries. Yeah, I mean. We, we, this has been a topic of conversation on this podcast multiple times. And we've always said it's because Dortmund are overusing him. Now Dortmund have fired their head physio. What would you make of that? Do you think it's still Dortmund overusing him or is it done to the physio or is it a combination? It's a combination of the two, but I think it, blame has to lie at the door of the physio because it's the physio that goes, yeah, he's fine to play. Unless someone like, uh, Mikhail Zork is going, no, he's fine to play. Sign him off or I'm just going to sack you anyway. I mean, because... I'm not going to lie. That, that, that could, without any impl- implications here, I'm just, I'm just, it might be the case. It might be because Dortmund, the way they rush Erling Haaland back, you know, it's not, it's not like they're giving him loads of time to recuperate. It's the minute this guy is anywhere near ready to play, put him back on the pitch. Doesn't matter in what, you know, if he's like, if a player says he's at 90% or 95%, I feel like Dalton has just gone and said, oh yeah, but you know, we need Highland, So 95% will do. And then 95% goes back to zero when he gets his next, you know, thigh muscle tear or something like that. I think, I think some of the blame has to go to Haaland because obviously a player will tell you when they feel they're ready. There's only so much you can tell from, from physio sessions and that. A player will tell you when they feel ready. Yeah. yeah. And he'll, he'll learn as his, as his career goes on. If he wants the longevity of someone like, let's say, Ibrahimovic, he's going to have to learn that when he's injured, he needs to be 100. He needs to be, oh, I can put my weight on it. I can I can do my, my sprints. I can do my bleep tests and that. But game situations are different. I use the example of R9 when he was oh, yeah. PSV and when he was Inter a couple of weeks ago now. And it's that same thing. It's that ex- explosive players have muscle injuries because of how they play. That's just a, a fact, a nature of, of life, you of know, the job. Yeah. Aguero changed his diet. What his last three years at City, and was insane. But it's, yeah, it's I not mean, just. The... Sorry, it's not just the uh, the injuries at Dortmund. Oh, I don't want to say it, but I think I'm going to have to just for conversation's sake. Are they? They're in second place at the moment. Because the rest of the competition has just failed to capitalize on them screwing up anyway. But had Leipzig been on it all season, they wouldn't be. But are oh, they without a shadow of a doubt? If they if Leipzig had had Domenico Tedesco from from the first match onwards, Leipzig might even have had a genuine shot at uh, a title race with Bayern at this point. I would definitely say that. You've got the two, you would have had the two 
biggest coaching minds to come out of German football dueling each other. That's the insane part. You know, they're both in their 30s still. Tedesco and Nagelsmann. That would have been insane. But yeah. Are they in any any risk of dropping out of being like the second club? I'd say so. Because Leipzig, given they did take a hit in the last couple of years with losing Werner one season and then the next season losing Zavitsa, Upamecano and Nagelsmann as their head coach. Which, you know, there is a, a club that is responsible for that that will remain nameless. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, they've, they've stabilized definitely. They should try at all costs to keep Christopher and Kunku because that man has been ridiculous. 40 goals and assists this season. That's in, those are insane stats that he's putting up. But, you know, if reports are to be believed, in recent weeks, Leipzig have uh, set his price tag at around 75 million euros, which, in all honesty, any team, any top six team in the Premier League could afford that price tag. A PSG could afford that price tag. A Real Madrid, a Barcelona could afford that price tag. If that's what they're going with, I don't think Nkunku is long for Leipzig's world. So that would be that would be another another hit. But Leipzig seem to be stabilizing for all that for all the hits they've taken. So yeah, I'd say they probably will overtake Dortmund as the main rival for the title in the next few years. I'd argue they'll probably do it next year. They're doing it right. They're they're on the way to doing it right now. Well, they're the, they're the most successful club in the Bundesliga in the year 2022. I know that means exactly. nothing because we aren't the MLS. <laughs> God forbid who would be. But, uh, you know, under, under Tedesco, they are a different beast. Uh, and I, Nkunku is fantastic this season and last season. But it's taken him a little while. And I'd argue... If they lost him, then they could probably just as easy enough replace him with Dominic Sobotsloy. Yes and no, because I still think, I mean, you'd underestimate. If you took Nkunku out of Leipzig, it would be similar to taking, I don't want to go that far, but it, it almost is similar to taking Erling Haaland out of, uh, out of Dortmund, just from what he contributes. You know, week for week, he is just... He's always pulling. He's always putting in a performance. It's at least an assist or at least an at least a goal, if not both, every match. Yeah, I think. I mean, in my he's he's killing it in my fantasy team, which is you know, which is fantastic. Not to, I was about to say that, which is which is not exactly the the basis on which we on which we base our opinions. Don't worry, but you know, just just to give you an example, and he's the only other player in the whole league that right now is making more than 300 points. Other than Lewandowski. So, um, but, you know, ignoring that little bit of Bundesliga fantasy trivia, I'd say Nkunku would be as hard of a hit as Timo Werner was at the time of him leaving. And arguably, they still not replaced Werner. Exactly. You know, but, they had a run at Solot and, you know, that didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Crystal Palace's finest. Oh, yeah. But before we move on, just back to Haaland quickly, because obviously it is that the transfer story. Uh, Jurgen Klopp yeah. uh, has ruled Liverpool out. Not that I think ever Liverpool were ever really in for it. Um, but the numbers involved are just crazy. We'll be having nothing to do with that. To be honest, I don't want anything to do with it either. It's not fun. And that is probably the attitude of every manager, even the likes of Guardiola and Ancelotti, if he's still there. <laughs> because let's be honest, if Real Madrid have a crack at 
Haaland, it'll be without the managers say so. It'll just be, okay, we're going to sign you now. And then when we sack Ancelotti in June. Yeah, I mean, put it this way. You you said it last week as well, that basically it is, or I, I, rem- I think you quoted it even, that it is basically a case of Mina Raiola and Haaland's father trying to exact every pound of flesh and every penny they can, even more than Haaland is probably worth, even with his, with his amazing playing ability, to get the best deal and make themselves richer. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, as you said, every manager is probably with Klopp on that. But yeah, you know, it's, it's more of a case of clubs looking at it from a business standpoint as well. You know, you've got probably one of the most, if not the most marketable player for the next 10 years, if not more, to join your club. I think every boardroom is going, give me Haaland if it's possible. Well, so there, there is that. But I think, I, I mean, as you said, Liverpool weren't really in for it, but I don't think anyone would have said no if Liverpool got Haaland at the end of the day. I would. I'd have said no. But well, yeah, but that's just because you know how much damage he's going to do. <laughs> You're going to say no if you join City. You, you would have said no if you joined Chelsea. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm trying not to think about it. <laughs> but before we move to the Premier League, uh, it will be an obscene amount of money for a man with a... We won't talk long about this because we did talk about it last week and we do want a physio on so probably over the summer or something. Um, but since he's come back from his injury, he's had one shot on goal. Which for a guy who at one point had a record of 60 goals in 59 appearances for Borussia Dortmund at age 21 is not that much. I'm not saying it's worrying because it's, it's not, he will, he will score and chances are he'll score at the weekend and make me look like an absolute, just to make me look like a bell end again, (laughs) because I called it again at the weekend. Like, Oh, uh, who's more likely to score first, Billy? Oh, well, uh, I think Mites have got a very good chance on the counter-attack. Five minutes later, Briel Embolo scores. So everything I say, the opposite happens. So it's not a worry, but if his injuries continue, say he makes like a £150 million move to Man City, opening game of next season against Crystal Palace at home. (laughs) <laughs> or Bournemouth or something gets injured seven or eight weeks out big whoop for City then anyway it's probably so it's it's Dortmund are riddled with injuries so this isn't a Haaland problem just yet it's more of a Dortmund well, problem yeah but I mean but I put it this way he has been getting injured a hell of a lot but we've as you said we've gone into a lot of detail about that in recent episodes. One little thing before we move to the Premier League. Bayern had a little bit of a substitution issue at the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I'd forgotten about this. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'd completely forgotten about this. Go on. For, For those of you who don't know, in the 85th minute, Bayern bring on Niklas Sule and Masa Zabitza. The problem is only one player exited the pitch because <sighs> Kingsley Coman used to have the have have the number twenty nine on his back last season. Got switched to number eleven this season, and team manager Kathleen Kruger, who is known for being, you know, the best team manager that this that money can buy accidentally held up his old number as in 29 on the board so that basically Kuman didn't think he was getting substituted and Bayern played a hole of 16 seconds with 12 men versus 11 which at some point Nico Schlotterbeck goes over to the uh manager I'm manager goes over to the referee Christian Dingard and says 
bro, we're playing with one man down or we're playing with one man less than Bayonar. Something's not adding up there. That leads to a whole seven minute fiasco where who, everyone's trying to figure out how it was possible that Bayern were playing for 16 seconds with 12 men. But the real issue that comes up is that basically the rules are set out by the DFB that you can't, like they can't go after Bayern in this sense on their own. What has to happen is that Freiburg as a club have to officially lodge a complaint or formal complaint with the German FA and basically say, do you know what? We would like to uh, make an inquiry about this and um, we'd like you to prosecute this event to the full extent of the rule book. And the full extent of the rule book is that Bayern could very well lose all three, all three points and be docked those points and the, the points be given to Freiburg all for 16 seconds on the clock now few different ways of looking at this but i'd like to get your take do you think flybook is completely justified in doing so or do you think it was a half-assed move in a desperate situation because the final score did read flybook one by on four yes um when did the incident take place like what minute again 85th. 85th. I mean, and by the score that, was 3 1. I was score was say, 3 1. At, at that point, you were 3 1 up. Uh, no, they've got very little grounds for, for anything. I know, yeah, okay. If you want to make a, an example of buying, you just find them a few thousand euros and slap them on the wrist. But you're 3 1 up with five minutes to go for the sake of 16 seconds. I mean, yeah, Marcel Sapitz has scored. But it's not like he did it with 12 men on the pitch. If not, just take the goal away if you're going to be petty about it. But not even that. It's fucking hilarious is what it is. Not even Sunday League makes that mistake. (laughs) Put it this way. I, I have a couple of views on the one hand as a Bayern fan I'm 100% with Julian Nagelsmann who said in the press conference ahead of the uh, Villarreal match that's taking place tonight um, time of recording he was basically like yeah okay I think it's a bit excessive like the fact of the matter is that from a sporting standpoint they were beaten at the time it was 16 seconds that they basically had. And I don't think in 16 seconds, they're scoring two goals and making it three all. Um, in addition, you know, it's probably like he, he actually said, I think Flyburg at this point have caved into pressure from supporters and stakeholders where they have to sit there at the end of the season and say, you know, we could have gotten three points more and that would have gotten us into Champions League spots versus Europa League spots, which obviously have a financial reward there as well. Um, and, you know, if they don't do it, they'll be, they'll be kicking themselves next season. On the other hand, if that actually is the case, you know, Nagelsmann said, I wouldn't want something or I wouldn't want to achieve something at the, at the table. I would have wanted to achieve it on the pitch. And that is by no means a sporting a reward for their sporting achievements in that sense. And that's where I'm also siding with him is, you know, if they want to make Champions League, I get that the financial aspect is there. And for a club like Freiburg, it'd be massive to make Champions League. But on the other hand, you know, it it is just a little bit over the top for 16 seconds and they were down 3-1 at the time. I was going to say, you, can't, you cannot give Freiburg three points for being 3-1 down at the time. If it was nil-nil, then I yeah, okay, maybe you could make a, a bit a better case for it. But you can't at three one down. It is just that it's almost throwing their toys out the pram. Yeah. I mean, to add a little bit of a chili powder to this whole thing, a few years ago there was a DFB Pokal match between Bayern and Freiburg. Bayern went on to win 7-0, but that wasn't the issue. It was the fact that ahead of kickoff, 
Bayern, uh, the Bayern press secretary, Markus Hervik, managed or he he found that uh, found in the named squad that Freiburg were putting out for the match that there were four non-EU players instead of three, which is that rule that you can't have more than three non-EU players, you know, in the in the squad at the time of play. And basically he phoned up to Uli Hoeneß and Uli Hoeneß went over to Freiburg and said, you know, you guys have this issue. Maybe you should check that out. And Freiburg corrected it and whatnot. But Uli Hoeneß basically could have gone to the, to the DFB and said, you know what, I want them fine or I want them you know, passed over and just uh, forfeiting the match because of this uh, incident that's happened, but he didn't. And so in the German media right now, after this, many, many reports were going around before Flybook officially lodged the complaint was that Flybook aren't going to lodge this complaint because um, Bayern also have a favor good with Flybook. And now there's the issue that basically... Bayern aren't getting that favor in this in this instance, and Flyburg went and lodged a complaint anyway. So, just to add that little pinch of chili powder to this whole discussion. Well, let us know what you think about that. Should Bayern be docked three points for the uh, a sake of sixteen seconds with twelve players? Uh, and now, I think it's probably time that we move over to the Premier League. Okay, can we just talk about how (laughs) Chelsea for one loss to none other than the Brentford Bees? Come on. (laughs) And it was at home as well. Oh, it just it just doesn't get much funnier than that. I mean, given Antonio Rudiger scores a freaking screamer from about 25, 30 yards out to make it 1-0, but then Chelsea just fall apart. Like, it's almost like someone basically took, I don't know, the computer chip from each, from each Chelsea player's head and just was like, All right, now you guys do your own thing. Because there didn't look to be any discernible pattern or any discernible tactic that Thomas Tuchel has implemented at Chelsea. And, you know, that has basically made Chelsea the team that did win the Champions League. They won the Club World Cup. They were doing so well in the Premier League at the start of the season. It just didn't look recognizable, did it? Well, would you like some stats? Would you like some stats? Oh, yes. Go on, Bill. Statman Billy at the helm. Get ready for the ride. Chelsea have lost by three or more goals in a Premier League London derby at Stamford Bridge for just the second time since April 1997. That was a 3-0 loss to Arsenal. And uh, they've conceded four or more goals in the Premier League at home to a newly promoted side for just the second time. Uh, Both occasions under Thomas Tuchel. And the first time was a 5-2 loss to West Brom in April of 2021. And I was in the car with a West Brom fan on that day, listening to it on Five Live, and genuinely thought we might crash laughing. Uh, I can imagine. But... Uh, As as it rightly should have been. Not that you crash in the car, but the laughing, obviously. But... uh, Take nothing away from Brentford. No. Christian Eriksen scoring, I... Who doesn't love to see that? Makes my heart sing. There you go. My guy. I mean, they won with 29% possession. They had almost a third (laughs) of the amount of passes that Chelsea had. Chelsea had over 600 passes. And they only managed to score one goal. And that one goal wasn't even, you know, a beautifully played attack ending in a, you know... It wasn't. It wasn't like Arsenal versus Norwich that that one tiki taka goal that everyone keeps raving about from like what 2012. It was Antonio Rudiger who was like, "I my team. There's there's no one I can play to really. The only chance we've got of scoring at this point is if I just hit it." And he hit it with with a vengeance. 
Let's just say that. You know, it, 600 passes and they didn't manage to string together one solid attack right there. And, you know, 29% possession and still scoring four goals. That has to be some kind of record. Well, yeah, okay, take it out of context. It looks more impressive than it is. Uh, but three of their goals came in a 10-minute period. So Vitaly Janot scored in the 50th. Christian Eriksen got on his, his on the 54th. And then Janot scored again on the 60th. Yeah. Um, and then Joan Visser scored with like his first touch. It was great. But do you think this is, because we've, we've spoken about it before, like uh, all the stuff off the pitch for Chelsea, uh, it doesn't seem to be affecting them. They're playing well. They're doing this. They're doing that. They have Real Madrid tonight <laughs> in the Champions League. If they play like they did against Brentford, the tie will be over tonight. Oh, without so, a shadow of a doubt. So I mean, is, they- is this just one of those results that happens in the Premier League? Where, okay, they probably underestimated Brentford a little bit. Not that they'll yeah. ever admit it. Or do you think this is a case of off the field stuff is now starting to affect some of the players because they don't know whether they can negotiate new contracts, whether they're, you know, whether they can negotiate moves away or better wages or whatever. <sighs> I don't know if I'd, I if I'd chalk it up to only off the pitch because I think underestimating Brentford is definitely part of the whole problem. I mean, you don't have thirty. I mean, you don't you don't have more than seventy percent possession and only score one goal and still concede four without underestimating the team that you're playing. I'm sorry, it doesn't happen. You know the stats that you were reading out. There's only their second loss. Uh, to a newly promoted side with you know four more goals conceded or whatever it's that is these are just insane stats and it shouldn't be in any form or fashion an excuse that all the off the pitch stuff is affecting them that much granted i think that it that it still does play a role but not enough to be the sole problem that leads to you losing 4-1 uh, that can't be because Chelsea have been dealing with this now. I mean, when, when did these sanctioned rumors and the whole sanction news start? It was already, there's already been go- ongoing for a month and Chelsea haven't been that down bad for a month. Again, they'll probably beat Real Madrid tonight. Well, now that you've said it, obviously. It's just written in the stars. <laughs> It's like our it's like our friend Brandon. Every time he bets on a team, they lose. So I, I keep, he just needs to accept uh, he just needs to accept that he's the antichrist when it comes to betting. But you know, I keep I keep asking him to bet on United, but so far he's not done it. But that the one time he he isn't the antichrist, it probably is when he bets on United. Let's just oh, yeah, that is just than, your luck. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> <laughs> But do you ra- now think that that Chelsea? I mean, right now you can only call it a little dip in form, really. But do you think that this could become a bigger problem that they slowly could start fearing for their top four places now? Or do you think they'll catch themselves and you know they'll they'll pull it out of the bag and then they'll make top four easily? Well, here's the interesting thing. Their game in hand is against Arsenal. And Arsenal are, I, I don't know where, we, we already said this a couple of weeks ago, we don't know where they found this, this unbelievable form, but they have it. Well, you say that. They did lose 3-0 to Crystal Palace last night. But to be fair, that was more Excluding. Palace. It was yeah, an that, anomaly. That was, that, was not, that was more Palace just being the best. That wasn't mistake after mistake after mistake. Mm, well. Nuno Tavares just is not a very good footballer. Okay, but but excluding Palace, if they lose to Arsenal, they are properly in that top four dogfight because they're on fifty nine points. Arsenal can move within two points of them if they beat them. Then they'll both be on the same number of games as Spurs and United. Oof. You know, Arsenal and Spurs are on the same number of points. 
but Arsenal have played a game less. So it it could come down to squeaky bum time to that because Arsenal still have to play United. They still have to play Chelsea. Yeah, there there are a couple of uh, there are a couple of big hitters or heavy hitters in in that in that arena, but oh, there is just such a such a gap between City, Liverpool, and the rest of the Premier League. You know, you got you have a proper fight with everyone from you know Wolves on eighth, all the way to Arsenal and Tottenham jointly on fourth if you want to see it that way jointly tied on points who could still make it into the into the top four because you've got you know there's only there's only there's only five points separating wolves and spurs in four places so you basically have a four-way battle right now of wolves united west ham arsenal and uh, and spurs all vying for that final top four spot and to a certain extent also the europa league spots yeah, and if Chelsea lose to Arsenal, they get dragged straight into that as well. Which I think is the worst possible scenario for Chelsea right now. I mean, we can probably discount United because their game in hand is against Liverpool. Well, you never know. But also, United, 30 games, 41 goals conceded. Oof. Yeah, it's not great. <clears throat> uh, while we're on the subject... I, I set you up beautifully. Of my I? beloved club. You've, you've chipped uh, that up fantastically. I'm just going to volley this into the back of the net. Oh, my. Oh, go on. Thank you very much. Uh, and I go. The away end goes mad as I wheel away with my hands cut behind my ears to the, to the home fans. Shushing them. There, there, there you go. There you go. You know what I had going through my head just now? And a goal is a dream start for Newcastle. And it's Santiago Munez. <laughs> Do you know what? I saw someone on Twitter say that that is the worst film they've ever seen. And I wanted what? to throw hands. I wanted to throw hands. Oh, this is a conversation for another time. Man. This is a conversation for another time. Goal is fantastic. <laughs> and I, that is a hill I will die on. But, oh, 100%. Goal two, maybe not. Goal three, definitely screw definitely that not. film. Anyways, back to your beloved. Uh, so there's been like, seems to be some final decision made by uh, United, and it seems to be it's, it's a ballsy choice, but it's it's probably the correct one. And apparently, they are going with Ten Hag, the Ajax. According manager. to ESPN FC, yeah, according to ESPN. So like Mark Ogden and Alex Shaw and all those people. It's ballsy, um, but it's exciting. I'm very excited. I was about to say, aren't you just jumping up and down right now, just doing doing backflips in your bedroom, like? Let's just say, be glad I'm sat down. <laughs> Before you wee yourself full with excitement. But as exciting and as, you know, visionary as this might be, I think it's very easy to get carried away. Um, you know, there needs to be a proper process because let's be honest, there hasn't been one for a while. Um, a little bit. You know, the so-called bad apples need to be cut. I think there's going to be a lot of departures in the summer. I was about to say, there's um, a lot of bad apples in that club then. You know, there's there's a lot of players unhappy with lack of play. You know, Lingard. I'm sorry, a, but... He's out of contract. I know Paul Pogba will definitely be going. He's leaving on a free as well. I, I, Again. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry to, to, to give you the dagger to the heart, <laughs> but it is not early morning so i'm not doing this to you right at the beginning of the day so you can thank me later for that but i saw this tweet where someone was like only united could manage to let pogba go on a free to juve buy him back for 100 mil and then subsequently let him go on a free again it'd be funny if he goes back to juve yeah exactly (laughs) But yeah, so you know the the bad apples need to be cut. I think you know uh, there was a thing that came out in the in the Guardian. Ralph Ranick did say it would take two or three windows under a new manager, whoever it was, for them to get their players in. Oh, easily. 
you got to back, you know, there's, it's not going to be smooth sailing. You're not, you're not going to win the league next season. This isn't, this isn't Eric Ten Hag comes in. There's another bold manager in Manchester. It's not going to be like Pep Guardiola. Let's not get, you know, carried away here. There's going to be bumps in that road. And I think people need to stop being so trigger happy with, oh, get him out, get him out, get him out. Oh, definitely. Because if, and also, if you do that. Also, I'm sorry. I, Davy Clarson. Right? <laughs> I saw that as well. <laughs> I sent you this earlier. Right, uh, he's been doing well with us, meaning Ajax, for years, and Manchester United have been doing badly for years. It's not a step down, Davy. As I slam my pen down on my desk, I saw you struggle to get in one of the worst Everton sides of recent years, and I'm including the current one in that. Ooh. And then he whimpered back to Werder Bremen, and what happened? They got relegated. So. Piss off. Is, is the please. rant over now? <laughs> Sorry, it just really annoyed me. But uh, yeah, something to be positive about. Um, yay. I don't know whether you want to finish this with a little preview of the title. Probably the title deciding game on Sunday. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, just just before we end this. First of all, the Premier League has a title race again after, you know, in January it was looking very bleak. It was looking almost Bundesliga-esque, if you will. (laughs) Um, And now you've only got a point between Liverpool and City and it's going to be going back and forth. And as you said, title decider, I mean, for the neutral fan, you hope that it's just, it's a draw. But yeah, title decider on Sunday. So, I'm just trying to... So, City have Liverpool, Wolves, Brighton, uh, Watford, Leeds, Newcastle, West Ham, and Aston Villa. Doable. There's eight fixtures there. All eight, they should win. I think the only potential banana skins are West Ham, if they're still going for Europe. If they're still going for European places. I'd argue Wolves then in that sense as well. Because West Ham and Wolves are only... yeah, And Aston Villa. Because it it would be, as much as I'd physically be sick, it would be slightly poetic if a Steven Gerrard-led side beat Man City on the final day and Liverpool won the title by a point. Not to mention they beat the team that they lost their talisman player to last transfer window. And Jack Grealish. This is very true. I mean, they've got Liverpool Add a little bit more poeticism there. They've got Liverpool Sunday. They go away to Atleti on Wednesday. Saturday afternoon, they've got Liverpool again in the FA Cup semi-final. So if Liverpool and City get through, which they probably will do, there's going to be another two games between those two teams. Yeah, you say, but you say that Liverpool have City. They're going to they're going to be having both Manchester teams the next two match days. So you've got first you've got, uh, Liverpool, um, City have or City versus Liverpool on Sunday. Then nineteenth of April you've got Liverpool v United, then Liverpool v Everton, Merseyside Derby, which I don't think anyone is expecting them to lose. So Newcastle, obviously. Tottenham, no. potentially. No. But then Liverpool also have Villa. And then I- Southampton. And then, here's the kicker, Liverpool and City both have big big matches on the last day because Liverpool have Wolves on the last for the last game of the season. Yeah, again, if they're still That's no chasing, cakewalk either. If they're still chasing European football as well. Look, I don't want to advocate match fixing. I'm not saying it's going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, Steven Gerrard is the Aston Villa manager. Get your tinfoil hats out, people. Because he's going to play a weakened team against, against Liverpool when they play each other. Ooh, big shout there. Big shout there. You, you heard it here first. 
I'm manifesting we, it. We, we definitely have to. We'll we'll go back. We'll come back to this when we when we do the episode afterwards, or actually, yeah, when we do the episode after that match day, because that would be massive. Well, I think that's a perfect place to leave it for this week. And as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get all of the breaking news from the world of football or from the German and English worlds of football. Every day, we always have what is coming next. And also, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the 50 plus one football podcasts on Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, and Spotify, and make sure to check out our previous episodes. And as always, thank you very much for listening guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.